Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you, Kyle, and Merry Christmas to you. So good to see you all today, and and, uh, so many faces, familiar faces who have been away from here, and uh, guests, just good to have you. Was that also, I understand we have around 50, 60 people in the youth room and in our overflow upstairs. So thank you all for bearing with us. We just did not know how to, this is a unique service, unique time. And so we have two services this evening as well, which we uh, are pumped there. This hour is kind of like, I'll, I'll do my best to describe, it's kind of like brunch in your PJs with the family is what this is. Tonight is kind of like, we'll get and you can come as you are tonight, but it's more like um, a nice dinner around the, the dinner table where you get a little dressed up. It's going to be um, just a, a unique service of worship, but um, Christmas songs, and we'll just, we're just going to sing all night long, and Wes will be sharing. But today we get to open God's Word together, and so excited for what He has for us. The uh, I was thinking this week, I was trying to ponder, what is it that makes Christmas Eve so special? What, the magic in, in today. And the obvious answer is something really, really, really good is about to happen. It's so good that it's going to, uh, we we know in the story, move angels to sing, shepherds to dance. The uh, It's so good, it's hard to put into words. And so as I thought about the challenge that John was facing, John being one of the disciples who knew, knew the Lord really well, As he picked up the pen under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to describe the good thing that was going to happen on Christmas, how how do you put that into words? You know when you go to start a paper or a project or you go to write something and you get a line or two and then it's like, nope, throw it away, nope, throw it away, nope. And you have this pile of paper that I can't help but wonder if John felt that. Remember who John is. He's a guy that lived with Christ, day in, day out for three years, knew him well. One of his, if if Jesus were to say, who are your closest friends on the planet? John, I think would have been one of those. Inner circle three, Peter, James, and John. Remember John, and you think about, okay, the, the people you do breakfast with and then lunch and dinner. Think about the people who when life goes bad would be the first to pick up the phone and say, hey, could you help me here? John was that to Jesus and Jesus to John. They knew one another really well. John was there at the foot of the cross when all the other disciples had left. He was the one that did not leave Jesus as he breathed his final breath. And so if you're John, can you imagine him thinking, how do I say How do I describe this? How do I write the magnitude, the enormity, the majesty, the beauty of what just happened on Christmas? And so, as John picks up the pen, led by the Holy Spirit, he writes a summary, what is called a prologue of why God became human and what happened on Christmas and what we celebrate today and and tomorrow. 18 verses, 
that capture the wonder and the glory, the hope and the joy of what happened at Christmas. As we turn to John chapter 1, this is what makes John's gospel unique from the other gospel writers. It's interesting that he doesn't, um, you can look for shepherds and angels and a manger, you don't find it in John. As he thinks about what happened, he actually goes back, pans out to a larger picture, eternal picture, and goes back to the beginning of time, back to the beginning of, of humanity, and he says, this is what just happened. And as he does so, he answers this question that we've been asking the past couple of weeks. Why did God become human? Why did God become human? So we're going to, a uh, quick preview, we'll read through the text I'll share a core truth, and then out of that core truth, three clarifying truths that I hope will encourage your heart today, really uh, move us to worship, move us to affection, a greater affection for the Lord, but also fill us with joy as we celebrate beginning today into tomorrow and worship our Lord. So John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the Word there being Jesus. The Word became flesh, verse 14. This is the the thesis of the the text. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Verse 18, he sums it up. He says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. So why Christmas? Why did God become human? And here's the core truth, the big idea, or the answer to the question is this. God became human to reveal himself to us. He he became human so that we could see him, understand him, and know him. And in this text, we see three clarifying realities flow out of this big idea. You could call them Christmas clarifiers. The first one is this. When you wonder what God is like, see Jesus. When you wonder what God is like, see Jesus. Back to verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. So he's speaking to the eternality of Jesus. He, he wasn't born on, or didn't come into existence on Christmas. He has always been. He took on humanity when he came, but he has always been. And the Word was with God. So Jesus was with God, and it's interesting there you see his, uh, the Trinity in that he is He is a distinct person of the Godhead, second person of the Godhead, and the word was God, speaking to his deity. Here John is giving us a metaphor for Jesus, and he's using the metaphor, um, it's the Greek word logos, but it's word. And it's interesting, why does he pick that? He's like, how do I describe who Jesus is, what he came to do? He uses, he calls him a word. Hmm. Why would he, he use this, this metaphor? Well, what's a word do? A word communicates. A word reveals. A word enlightens. A word teaches. It shows. It explains. Jesus reveals the mind, the, the thoughts of God to us. He reveals the will of God to us. He reveals the heart of God to us. He reveals the way of God to us. He is the revelation of who God is. He is the word of God. And notice John is making it clear that he's eternal. He always has been. He always will be in truth, core truth of Christianity. He is 
God. You can't be a Christian and deny this. This is essential to our faith. This is core to to what we believe. Jesus is God. And he's making that point here. First verse of his gospel. He is God. And core to his role within the Trinity is revealing to us what God is like. Communicating to us. Making God visible to us. This is where it just starts to blow your mind, doesn't it? <laughs> I have a thought right now. I'm thinking this thought, guys. Kids, I'm thinking a thought. And, and if you can only see this thought I'm thinking, it is so good. It's more beautiful, wonderful than you have ever. Anything that you have ever seen or imagined, it's more beautiful than that. And it affects you forever. I'm thinking it. What are you thinking right now? Tell us about it, right? Use a what? Word. We want to know. Jesus is the word that reveals the most beautiful reality that there is. The word became flesh. Um, and, and, then that, and that brings us to the, really the epicenter of this passage, or the thesis of this passage, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Think about um, what's going into this and is just so, uh, and this is one of those you can ponder and it just gets more and more beautiful as you ponder it. But what, when the word became flesh, it's saying, he's saying, okay, the one who, the word, the logos that created the universe, that sustains the universe, the omniscience of God is limitless intellect, limitless intelligence compressed into a person, limitless power compressed into a person, limitless goodness compressed into a person to make visible the living God to us. And so you say, okay, what is he like? Or, or uh, what's this like? And we go to verse 14. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. The word dwelling there, the phrase made his dwelling, speaks to the tabernacle. Remember when God chose Israel to be his people, to represent himself to, uh, to the world, he put his presence among them in the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. And remember where the tabernacle was in the camp? When, when Israel would camp and go from place to place in the wilderness, where was it? Was it like out here? It was cent- central. As a church, we often say we're Christ-centered. Why? It's, it's, he is central. And he manifested his glory or his presence through, through in the tabernacle and around the tabernacle in a pillar of uh, cloud by day, fire by night. When the tabernacle moved or when his presence moved, the people moved. And so here he's saying, he's drawing the parallel. We have seen the glory of God. God's glory has come. He has tabernacled among us in the person of Jesus Christ. John is saying, um, we have seen his glory. And he goes on, we say, what, what's his glory look like? He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and of truth. You can feel John's awe as he sums up the uh, this core truth in verse 18 where he says it again. Here it is. No one has ever seen God. You can't see God and live. But the one and only Son who is himself God and in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So the truth today, God became human to reveal himself to us. So when you wonder what God is like, 
see Jesus. As we watch this story play out, we see those who are following Christ awakening to this, having epiphany moments. John records Philip's epiphany moment in John 14, verse 8, where he says, Philip said, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. So Philip's like, show us what the Father's like. And Jesus says, do you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus. And today, in this Christmas season, may this sweet reality um, fill your heart with joy. Again, when you wonder, and I think I find in my own life, this is especially important when I'm going through a hard time. And I'm wondering, God, do you care? And, and are you in control? And what, what's going on here to remember when God seems so big and so distant and so mysterious to remember that he wants us to see him in the person of Jesus Christ. And I hear him whisper through his spirit again and again, look here, look here, look here, look at Jesus. When you wonder if he cares, hear him Whisper that to you. Look here and see him crying with Mary at the death of her brother. See him moving towards those who are hurting and suffering with compassion, bringing healing. When you wonder, is there hope? See our risen king um, meeting with his disciples and encouraging them. Here's the mission. Keep on. When you wonder, um, God, do you care for me? And is your love sincere? And, And how can you be bringing good out of this situation? See him at the cross, taking our sin dying in our place, and uh, suffering for us. When we see him, Jesus, we see God. Trivia question. What is the, of all the animals, of all the insects, which one has the best eyesight when it comes to seeing color? Does anyone know this? This is big. Candy cane prize if you get this one. Daryl Huff, I know you probably have an edge on this being an eye doctor. But... Well, it it is. Did anyone guess the honeybee? It's the honeybee. They can see like five times better, more um, color, five times quicker than what we as as humans can see it. The uh, their flicker uh, fusion rate, which is the ability to take take pictures of, of re, um, what they see and, and flow with it, is the um, so ours is so when you see a movie, it's twenty four. Uh, flickers per second or 24 frames per second is they're just pictures that move and it makes it seem like things are moving for the human we see things at about a 60 picture per second rate isn't that awesome how god made our eyes like it's snapping pictures 60 60 per second and we see things move for the honeybee it's 200 per second it's crazy quick but it's very helpful if you fly around very fast it keeps you from running into things and and uh, ending your life. But what's interesting and what struck me as I was reading about this was when a bee sees color, it hits a beauty that, that we don't see. It actually sparkles, glimmers, shimmers, and changes. So when a bee's rolling through, you know, Christy Johnson's flower garden, it's just like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> if only I could tell you how beautiful it is. But what is it? that's why they're drawn to flowers. I was thinking doomsday prepper me. If you're ever being chased by a bunch of bees and you can't dive in the, the pond, 
jump into a field of flowers because surely they'll be distracted from just a blob of gray and go after all these shimmering things. What if you could see like a bee? You know, what if you could put on the bee, the bee glasses? See the beauty. And it brings to, to mind this question. God's saying, if only you could see my glory, see me. And so he sent Jesus, his word, to reveal to us he is the most beautiful being in the universe. And the longer we look at Christ, guys, the longer we look at Christ, fix our eyes on him, meditate on him, see him, the more beautiful he becomes. In him is all glory, all majesty, all shielded, yes, in humanity, but but there. Beautiful. Are you seeing him? We see by the power of God and the gift of faith through the Holy Spirit, but He is a beautiful vision that when we see Him, it changes everything. It'll wreck your life for the good. (laughs) And, And to that we say, well, what's He like? What's He look like? And John's like, how do I say this? How do I sum up? I was with God for three years I had breakfast with the living God. I had lunch with the living God. I was with him. How do I write it? How do I say it? How do I sum it up? Two words. Two words. Two words. When you wonder what Jesus is like, think grace and truth. Verse 14 The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here John is like, we have seen his glory. Later on I say, we we touched him and we we held him and we heard from him. We've seen it, the glory of God. And we all say, what was it? What was it like? Honeybee, tell us about the flower. John, tell us about the glory of of Jesus. And he says, he is full of grace of grace and truth. When you wonder what Jesus is like, here's the summary. Grace and truth. Grace is undeserved favor. It's love going above and beyond what's expected. It's goodness being poured out to another beyond measure, beyond limit. This is his joy. This is his passion. This is him. It's his glory. It's his beauty. It's to give you grace, to give us grace. This is our God. Mark Yarborough shares a story in his book, Tidings of Comfort and Joy, of when he was a boy. And man, every boy, I, boy, young men, you could probably agree with me here. How many of us love motorcycles, motorbikes, mini bikes, things that move quick when they're with an engine on them? Yeah. And, and so when he was a young man, he, he saved up and he got this fixer-upper mini bike. He rebuilt the engine, you know, went through all of that put it together. Finally, the time came to turn it on, crank it up, and it, he just was so pumped up when he heard the sound of that engine roar, hopped on that mini bike, took off down the road, hair flying, speed, wind. Oh man, heaven on earth went bang, blew an engine, hole right out through the side of the engine. And what is hole in the engine, hole in his heart. He was heartbroken. He pushed that mini bike back up to to his house through bitter tears but little did he know who was watching his dad and his dad immediately went to the phone book where we went back in those days and found a uh, a small engine repair shop and later in the day said hey mark let's go for a drive 
And Mark's like, all right. So they go, didn't tell him where. They sh- pull up to the small engine repair shop and question starts filling his mind and a little bit of hope. But he sees these engines. He's like, dad, what's going on? I can't afford these engines. Even if you bought me one, I could never pay you back. Why are we here? And his dad looked down at him and winked with a smile. And he said this, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. That's the story of Christmas, isn't it? The grace of God appearing in Jesus Christ with the simple message, I've got you covered. All that has broken the relationship that we have with our, our God, he came to live the perfect life, die in our place, be raised to life, and offer eternal life to everyone who believes grace that covers us. And I love it that not only are we forgiven, but his grace also frees us, empowers us, will glorify us, and his grace just keeps coming. What's Jesus like? He is full of grace, but also truth. Truth. What what is that? Truth is, he defines what is real and what is lie as as we make our way home. He embodies truth. He is truth. There is nothing in him that is misleading. He is worthy to be followed, and in following him, we will never, ever, ever have a regret. Isn't that awesome? He is always right, 100% of the time. How should you invest your life? You got $10,000. Where should you invest that? We asked our financial planner, hey, how sh- don't know. Right? We don't know. We're human. He does. Always right. 100% of the time. And how do you invest your life? How should you spend your time? How should you spend... (laughs) His way is the right way, isn't it? I was thinking about this even with prayer. Okay, as as we experience the mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit... Are we a a polytheistic people? No, we are monotheistic. One God, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, it stands. But one God in three persons. So how do I talk to God? Do I talk to the Spirit? Do I talk to Jesus? Do I talk to the Father? And he came and he showed us the way. He taught us how to pray. He said, you pray to the Father with the help of the Holy Spirit in my name through me. Something as simple as talking to the Lord. Your marriage broken. You're you're struggling to connect. It's kids. How do we... He has a word on that. And it's right. It's hopeful. It's true. It's good. It will lead to life. It leads to thriving. When we wonder, what should I do in this situation? We can look to him and know, yes, there is grace, but there is also truth, the path of life. Everything we need for life and and doctrine until we arrive home. When you wonder what Jesus is like, think grace and truth. This is a clarifying reality, too, as, as we uh, think about our transformation journey in becoming like him and the, uh, the beautiful reality that he's changing us into his image, a metric that we should watch as we, uh, as we do life and seek to be like Christ is, am I becoming a person of grace and truth, increasing grace and truth, right? It's one of those dashboard metrics that hopefully the people who know us best would want to put that on our epitaph. You know, as John thinks about Jesus' life, as people think about our life, grace and truth. All right, on to the last clarifier. Clarifier three, when you wonder why Jesus came, think fellowship and joy. 
We see this in John's letter. Later on, he'll write a letter to the churches, and he says this in John 1, 1 to 4. And you notice some similar language that we find in his gospel. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. And you could capitalize that. He's speaking of Jesus the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that, so here's the why, so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And that our is an important There's been discussion, should that be translated your joy or our joy? The word actually, the semantic range of the word is everybody involved. So when he says, we write this to make our joy complete, it's his joy and the the people who are reading their joy. The word fellowship here describes an an intimacy and a, a community that's bonded together by a love that is deep and sincere. It's the Greek word koinonia describing what you feel around a table. It's often talk about the, the table fellowship. And in the Eastern culture, this was big. But it's that uh, when you're sitting around a table, and hopefully you'll have a chance to, to do that this holiday season with people that you love, and they're just glad that you're there, not because of your accomplishments or your um, any, any of that stuff. They're just glad you're there because, because they love you and you belong. And you have a place at the table. Why did Jesus come? And it was so that you might have a place at the table with him. And then he formed this family that we share together with each other. Beautiful. And what's the result of that? And I love it. You read the Gospels and you see it's joy. A joy that satisfies the deepest part of our, our hearts. God is passionate about your joy and about my joy. And that's what John is saying here. We write this so that our joy may be complete. John is clear, and he'll say this again and again, the way home, the way into this fellowship, the way to the the table of God or into the fellowship of God is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He'll share this in 1 John chapter 5, 11 to 13. He says, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son so that you may know confidence and assurance that you have eternal life. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ, come to save us from our sin? And if you would answer that question, no, his invitation to you is come, believe in Jesus as the Son of God, seek out his truth claims. I love the way, and if you will, trust him as your Savior today and and accept his invitation of grace, he will save your soul and you will become his child and he will give you life and life eternal. I love the way the songwriter says it, how silently, how silently this wondrous gift is given so God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin where meek souls will receive him still where we'll humble ourselves and confess our sin and invite him in, the dear Christ enters in. 
And if you are a follower of Jesus today, the question is this. Are you enjoying your fellowship with him? And just to stop and think that, why Christmas? <laughs> God desires a relationship with you. And to let that soak in for a minute, that our God is not a subject to be studied. He's a person to be known. Or to know. And invites us into that knowing. And today as we think about Jesus and you think about John, how many times did he sit with Jesus and share a meal? And John's like, hey, I have entered a fellowship with the Father and with the Son that starts now. The kingdom is now. And I'm telling you this so that you too can enter this fellowship. And this is where your soul will be satisfied. The deepest longings, it's around this table and you can come. And so Christian today, my brother, my sister, are you enjoying being at this table? I think we'd all say today and in this time, yes, yes, but may we continue to do that through this holiday. Just pause and bask in this beautiful reality. Why did God become human? As John picks up the pen, his answer informs our faith, fuels our worship. This is, this is so, so good. God became human to reveal himself to us. And so in those moments when you wonder, what is God like See Jesus. When you wonder, what is Jesus like? Think grace and truth. And when you wonder, why did you come, Jesus? Fellowship and joy. And it it moves us to worship, doesn't it? So, home for Christmas. I'll paint a picture of home for Christmas and invite you to do the same in your own. As you think about times when it was just good to be home for Christmas... The time for me that just reflexes is... uh, I was in high school... You know, a day in school is it's good. High school is fun, but it's not home. It's not family. Went through the day and then got to basketball practice, which again was fun, but you know, basketball has its challenges and you're growing and developing and learning from failures and it's just a grind. So I stepped outside of basketball practice after a long day at school into a cold winter night. Our house was about uh, maybe half a mile across the prairie, the schoolyard. I would call it the prairie. It was the schoolyard. And so I've got my coat on, but you know, it's dark now, it's winter, and there's this cold uh, wind that just cuts right through my coat to my still a little sweaty body, chilling my bones, and I begin that long trudge across the prairie, step by step, through the snow crunching, just life is hard, right? Finally, my feet hit Mackey Road, and ah, firm pavement. But then it took me to the the descent of Sunset Drive. And I looked down the road, and there I could see our light pole with lights stringed around it. And I could see the lights of home. And I kind of gained momentum coming down the hill. And then the point in the, the, the journey home when all my cares and worries just dissipated and evaporated was when I hit the driveway, and I looked into our big picture window, and I saw... my family doing what they were doing. Dad, they're on his easy chair reading the newspaper, fixing the problems of the world. My uh, sister, you know, they're on the piano, getting her, knocking out her piano practice. Rob, my brother, practicing his Nerf basketball moves. Uh, And then my mom, you know, scurrying from the dinner table to the kitchen with 
working her magic on that Hoosier fried chicken and mashed potatoes and our, do- our poodle, our black poodle sitting in the window waiting for the last person to come home. And man, it's home. And then to walk up to the door and was, did I have to knock? Nope, there's no knocks when you come home. Just to burst in and hear a volley of welcome homes and to feel the love but then smell the love and to taste the love and home. And to sit around that table where I had a place where I belonged. And I, what's the image that, that's coming to your mind of, of home? The good news of Christmas is that while we were still sinners, far from God, He came for us. And He found us in our brokenness, our sinfulness, our waywardness, the cold, dark night. His purpose and His passion was to bring us home. To bring us to that place at the table where we were surrounded by love. We are surrounded by love. Surrounded by all that we need. Hearts filling up with joy. To taste sweet fellowship and sweet joy. This is our God. And this is why he came. Amen. And let's worship him now. Father, we just bow on this Christmas Eve and Thank you for your word. Thank you for your written word, Lord, but thank you for being the living word that makes visible who you are. Father, I thank you for giving Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming for us. And this Christmas, we just fix our eyes on you afresh, Jesus, and we bask in the wonder of, of God becoming human, and then we see your glory in your grace and your truth, and we praise you. And then we think about the the beautiful reality that we get to sit at your table and even now enjoy your presence and talk with you and share life with you. And we know that having this, we have all things in one. And so we worship you now. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.